on the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City. Here's Matt Pauley. A good Thursday afternoon and welcome in. It is Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. If you want to join the program, you can do so by calling or texting into the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. You can also tweet into the program if you'd like. Just find me on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. You don't have to follow me to tweet at me. But if you want to follow me, I won't be mad at you for it. Uh, Busy program this week. Very busy program this week. Uh, Much of the focus is based off uh, the decisions that the Brewers made at the arbitration deadline. They trade Corey Knable. I don't think that's sitting real well with a large percentage of the Brewers' fan base. Uh, They sign a number of players to one-year contracts to avoid arbitration, and then they tender contracts to two players in Brandon Woodruff and Josh Hader, meaning that if they cannot work out a deal with either of those players, they would end up going uh, to arbitration with them. I I thought it was interesting the way things played out across Major League Baseball because – the number of non-tenders this year across baseball was actually pretty consistent with what we normally see from a raw numbers standpoint. And if you listen to me, if you listen to anybody out there, we were telling you this is going to be the year where there is going to be just an obscene number of non-tenders, guys who are just let let go, able to walk away, that teams are not going to be willing to uh, offer a, a player a contract, they're not willing to go to arbitration. Well, it, it didn't play out that way, but it did play out that way all at the same time. While there were not a whole lot more non-tenders this year than there have been in previous years, what there was a lot more of this year was uh, these one-year contracts being signed. And clearly, the market was being read that the that the the market was going to be flush with players. So if you've got an opportunity to sign a contract with your current team, and you can have you can have some guaranteed money because of it, that's what that's what you're going to do. And Orlando Arcia and Omar Nevarez are great examples because they took salary cuts, but they got contracts. They got contracts. And uh, so the market did not go exactly how I expected it to go because I thought there would be a lot of non-tenders. But because I thought there were going to be a lot of tenders, because everybody thought there were going to be a lot of non-tenders, I think agents across baseball were suggesting to their clients that if they had an opportunity to get a contract with their team, even if there was a little bit of a pay decrease, to go ahead and get it because this is going to be an offseason where salaries are going to be driven down, 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 and it's a lot better on December now 3rd, or so on December 2nd, to have a contract than it would be on December 3rd to not have a contract. We're going to get into a number of the decisions that were made. Probably the biggest decision made, uh, Corey Knable, looked like he was en route to being non-tendered, and instead he gets traded to the Dodgers. I think there's a clear reason why the Brewers did this. I also fully understand uh, the frustration 
from Brewers fans on the decision to non-tender Corey Knable. We'll get into that. Uh, a ton of catchers on the 40-man roster right now. Just a ton. Uh, and it, it can't stay that way, even with a bunch of them having minor league options. You you have you have 40 spots on your 40-man roster, and having six catchers on the 40-man roster is probably not something that is completely sustainable. So somebody, if not a couple of these guys, probably will not be on the 40-man roster come opening day. But it's better to have depth at that position than not have depth, uh, and we'll just see what happens. Look, there's a possibility that if they need a 40-man spot during the course of the offseason, they may do something there anyway. So we'll see how that uh, plays out. That that final spot or two on the 40-man roster during the offseason tends to kind of fluctuate. There have been years where... Uh, they've placed claims on players who are being put on waivers and things like that. And it's just a churn uh, of spot number 39 and spot number 40. So that certainly could be the case this year. Again, if you want to join the program, you can do so. You can call, you can text into the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620 or tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. This is Brewers Weekly. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You could tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. All right, um, a lot to get to this week. So... Let's go ahead and get to this week's edition of Going Deep. Baseball sure does have its ups. Deep left center, way back. Get up. And it's downs. Here is a swing and a drive toward left field and deep. Oh, boy. No way. Too high. Too high. It is gone off the reservation. A grand slam home run for Hayward. Too high. He said be too high. Too high. And it comes in many different forms, such as when this happens. And this. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight and the Mets win it. There's a lot to this game, so we break it down. It's time to go deep on all things baseball. Here's Matt Polly. Oh, baby. A brand new intro to going deep. I, uh, I give Greg Hill. Greg, am I allowed to... Uh, Scott calls you Pancake. I don't think I can call you Pancake. I think that's only, but like the, but the listeners know you as Pancake. This is very uh, frustrating for me yeah, because but I'm, I'm, I don't want to call Greg you Pancake. Pancake. I'm Greg Pancake Hill in its entirety. So like, hopefully the the connection can be made. You know, on this program, you're just Greg Hill. I'm not. I'm, we're not messing around with Pancake. You know, if that's that, okay with you. That's the first. So it's okay with me. Okay. So uh, Greg, he has uh, he has editorial uh, freedom to make changes to the program and he doesn't have to even get it approved by me and that's the first time i've heard that that was very good i'm excited hey thanks buddy. Um, you bet nice job all right so the brewers move on from Corey knable he was uh, evidently going to get non-tendered and they were able to trade him to the dodgers they are going to receive the player to be named or cash and this tells you something 
I think about the Brewers overall, but more specifically the Brewers in this offseason. So if you've listened to me consistently over the years, something I've made reference to, remember a few years ago when you Darvish was reportedly talking to the Brewers and then he ended up signing with the Cubs. And I don't I don't know if it was real or not, but the money I the, the money that was reportedly thrown at him by the Brewers was legitimate money. Like they were like really going after him. Again, don't know if that's true, don't know if it's not, uh, but it's been reported. This has nothing to do with Darvish's just fantastic year this year. I want to go back to 2018 his first year with the Cubs. He was eight and eight with a 4.95 ERA. Check that. He was, I beg your pardon, he was one and three with a 4.95 ERA, making eight starts. Uh, the Cubs could survive that because they have lots of money. But I always said if he would have had that season with the Brewers, and they had invested that amount of money, that percentage of the payroll, that could have single-handedly just destroyed the 2018 Brewers because they were not getting their bang for their buck had Darvish signed. So that brings us to 2020, going into the 2021 season. And it certainly is not an apples-to-apples comparison because we weren't in the middle of a global pandemic uh, in going into the 2018 year. But the, the main point kind of stays the same here. The Brewers as an organization are really an organization that needs to get the, the bang for the buck. They're an organization that can't miss on big ticket items. Now, there's going to be some out there that say Corey Knable at $5 million is not a big ticket item. Okay, in the grand scheme of things, sure, he's not. But for the Brewers payroll, that $5 million, especially for this year where we expect payroll to go down, it's going to represent a fairly large portion of the payroll for this year. And... There was no guarantee that Corey Knable was going to be the Knable of his all-star form. He had an up-and-down season this past year. That's very normal. First year coming off Tommy John surgery. I always say it. You've heard me say it a million times. When somebody comes off Tommy John surgery, it's not so much how they perform in that first year back. It's more about that second year back. The idea is to get back from it and just pitch and then you, if you're going to get back to what you were before, it's going to be that next season. So there is a there is a legitimate chance that Corey Knable is going to look like the all-star version of himself with the Dodgers this year. And I think we can all root for that. He was a really good brewer. He's a great guy. I, 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 I hope that. I really legitimately hope that. But I think the Brewers made the decision that that was not a gamble that they were willing to take for $5 million. Just based off what he did this past season, he had a nice finish to the year. He was still striking guys out, but there's still no guarantee that he's going to look like the all-star version of himself. If there was, if that was guaranteed, they would have tendered him a contract. But this is one of those years. I think with the Brewers, it's always true. You can't miss. The Brewers cannot miss on big-ticket items. And if that's true every year, it is really, really, really true this year. 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. The Yankee Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. This is Brewers Weekly. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. 
Brewers Weekly continues. At Matt Pauly on air on Twitter, 855-616-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage talk and text line. We're talking Brewers tenders, non-tenders, what the roster's looking like this offseason, the expectations for next year, a lot going on right now. James in the south side, or on the south side, I should say, has given us a call. Hey, James, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, Matt, uh, okay, we got uh, the Bucks going. Uh, I mean, yeah, the uh, um, Packers and the uh, Bucks going, uh, playing basketball, Marquette, Wisconsin, and that, playing uh, sports and that. But what happens next uh, next spring and then into, say, by uh, six months from now, say, 4th of July, uh, this coronavirus uh, with the shots and all this other bunch of hook-em-poke-em type of stuff here uh, uh, still not uh, decided yet. And um, the Brewers want us to buy tickets for this thing and said, well, we'll give you a refund. Why should we put trust in the Brewers for a refund or that uh, when the uh, possibility they probably won't, might, might not have uh, fans in the stands for maybe first half of the season or maybe for the whole season? I think they're going to have fans. Uh, baseball's now. There's going to be some areas where, because of governmental reasons, maybe at the beginning of the year they're still not going to allow fans in. But baseball had fans at the NLCS. Baseball had fans at the World Series. Uh, if they're going to play 162 games this year, they're going to have as many fans as they possibly can. Uh, I don't, I, James. If you're saying that you think that the Brewers would take your money and then not have tickets for you and not give your money back. I, I don't think that's going to happen. If something were to happen where they were not able to provide you the tickets, I'm sure they would uh, give the money back. The idea to buy tickets now is to get the best possible ticket uh, in front of other people. I think there will be fans in the stands. I don't know it. I can't uh, uh, I can't guarantee it. Obviously, uh, if we would have been talking in March, I would have never predicted a lot of the things that have happened uh, since the pandemic got started, and I am not a uh, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a, you know, I can't tell the future, but I would bet that even say opening day that there's going to be at least a limited number of fans in attendance. That's just my uh, somewhat educated guess. The only thing that would stop that uh, would be if say the city of Milwaukee or Milwaukee County or the state of Wisconsin uh, at that point still is not comfortable enough uh, allowing any time of, of gathering. But if it's a Major League Baseball, if it's a Milwaukee Brewers decision, I think there's going to be fans in the stands when the season gets started. Hey, Matt? Hello? Yeah. Matt? Yeah. yeah what I'm about here. all these players? What about these players that we just uh, got back in that? How much How much uh, do you think that they're going to, um, what do you call the word, play in, in Brewers' uh, a season this season, uh, or are we going to just see uh, just like we just seen for the sixty game type of thing, uh, kind of going through through the motion in that? Are you asking me if I think there's going to be 162 games? Yeah, but with the players that, we, that you were just talking about uh, that the Brewers signed and that for these one year contracts, how much do you think? How much effort do you think these guys are really going to give, or do you think, or you think that's just that? Uh, it's just going to be another season, a so-so season for the Brewers. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call, James. Uh, I, I don't think that the uh, the one-year contract aspect and everything going on this offseason, I don't think players are going to be less motivated this year because maybe they're making less money or they did not have the opportunities. I don't think there's going to be any bitterness. I think that's what James was alluding to uh, when he talked about the players who had signed one-year deals uh, and you know the, to avoid arbitration and some players taking a little bit less money. If anything else, it's just another opportunity for players to go out and try to maximize their value uh, 
hopefully for the next year where things normalize out a little bit and maybe there'll be more money to be had. Of course, you've got the collective bargaining agreement that's going to be expiring, so Lord knows what it's going to look like this time next year uh, when we're talking about things. And, and I'm not overly optimistic at this point about the negotiations between uh, players and owners. But I, I'm expecting... Call me crazy, and if I'm wrong on this, I'll be—I'll tell you I'm wrong. I got no problem admitting when I'm wrong. I'm, I'm wrong a lot, uh, but if I—I I, I think there's going to be a 162-game season. I think there's going to be fans in the stands. I don't think it's going to be full stadiums, especially at the beginning of the season. Uh, but you just look at uh, what baseball needs to do. It is of the utmost importance for baseball that they get fans in the stands this year. Um, their their model, their business model doesn't work to run 162 games and do it without fans. That's why they played so few games last year. They could have played more than 60. That's what the players wanted. Remember all those arguments? Players wanted to play more than 60. Owners didn't want to play more than 60 because with no fans in the stands, they were losing money. They'll tell you they were losing money. At the very least, they weren't making as much money. But I kind of believe the idea of them losing money for, for opening up the gates on regular season games. Uh, but they made that money back, or a good portion of it, once they were able to get into the postseason. And the idea was just play as few regular season games as possible and play as many postseason games as possible. And uh, that's where they were able to... Uh, accomplished this year let's grab one more phone call before we go to break dell's in west alice hey dell you're on wtmj hey um just had a question about uh, some of the guys they uh well that possibly might end up being let go because um just just a quick question gamble even though they didn't tender him an offer he he is a free agent they could re-sign him and re-sign him for less correct yeah, they, uh, him, Alex, Claudio, the, the non-tenders could potentially be brought back. I'd say this year there's a little bit less of a chance of that happening just because uh, they this was a year where players were motivated to sign these one-year deals and not go to arbitration. So if Gamble's going to be back, if Claudio's going to be back, I would think that maybe that happens after uh, a little bit more happens in free agency and maybe there's not as much of a market out there and Gamble realizes that and comes back. I don't know what the interest is from the Brewers, but yeah, from a from a technical standpoint, yes, any of those players can still return to the team. Okay, and and then the other thing was just that. Okay, so usually what happens is somebody like Gamble. I know he's not like a top tier free agent, but usually what happens is if he signs with another team, you usually get compensatory picks um, for losing that player. But do you think with so many players? Uh, on on a on a lot of different teams that are going to be like in Gamble's situation. Do you think the the picks that the that the Brewers would pick up or the, the so let me hey, Dell, I'll lose, stop you right there just be because there is okay. Uh, so I appreciate the phone call, Dell. The, there is no compensatory pick for a Gamble. The way the compensatory picks works is when the season gets over. If you have a free agent to be, you can uh, you can issue him a qualifying offer. I think the qualifying offer this year was eighteen point nine million dollars. That's what I'm thinking off the top of my head right now. It was it was in that neighborhood. So about nineteen million dollars. You offer a player a nineteen million dollar contract for one year. They then have the decision to accept the qualifying offer and come back on a one-year deal, or they have the decision to decline it and become a free agent. If they decline it and become a free agent and then go sign with another team, that's when you receive the draft pick uh, 
uh, you do not, uh, for the most part, you there there are some other things going on where you can where you can get some draft picks, but the the real draft pick compensation of substance is connected to the uh, the qualifying offers and being able to um, being able to issue that get it rejected, and then you get a draft pick. So I don't think Ben Gamble, uh, he was not offered the qualifying offer. Uh, there are some competitive balance picks out there. I think that still exists in the draft. I don't think Ben Gamble is going to result in any type of competitive balance pick. Um, and i got to look that up and see if those things even still exist. They changed the whole draft structure like two, three years ago, and I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering right now if the competitive balance picks are still a thing or not. There's some minutia in baseball, and uh, you got to – Keep uh, up to date on it. All right, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. This is Brewers Weekly. More Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. All right, just cleaning up what I was talking about before we went to break, just so... Everybody can completely understand the craziness that is baseball. Um, here's the deal on the uh, the compensatory picks, so uh, or the competitive balance picks, I should say. So this is completely different than the draft picks you get if you lose a player that you issued the qualifying offer to. Uh, I read from MLB.com. Since 2017, Major League Baseball has used a formula that combines revenue, winning percentage, and market score to award draft picks to teams that fall in the bottom 10 in revenue or market size. Uh, Let's see. um, Each subsequent year, the number of picks in two rounds alternates between six and eight. So uh, this past year... Round A of the competitive balance, the teams that got those were the Orioles, Pirates, Royals, Diamondbacks, Padres, Rockies, Indians, and Cardinals, and they got a pick uh, between round one and round two, and then the round B had Marlins, Tigers, Rays, Brewers, Reds, and Twins, and those were extra picks between rounds two and three, but that's not real. It can be, but it's really not connected to losing free agents, so that just kind of explains what I was trying to explain before we went to uh, before we went to break. Uh, when you look at the decisions that the Brewers made, obviously we've spent a lot of time already on this program talking about um, talking about Corey Knable. I think it is notable everything let's just go play by player by player so everybody's kind of on the same page on, on where it's at. Orlando Arcia uh, avoided arbitration by signing a one year contract worth about two million dollars that is reportedly uh, going to be a pay cut for Arcia. He made about $2.2 million uh, in 2020, or that was his salary. That's not what he made because they played a prorated season. But had they played 160 games, they, he would have made uh, the, the $2.2 million. Alex Claudio, he was non-tendered for a second straight year. He did re-sign as a free agent last year. Maybe that happens again this year. Ben Gamble, also non-tendered. Uh, I thought that they could probably come to a one-year deal with him. I like Ben Gamble. I, I I would be very comfortable with him being back with the club. I feel like if there was mutual interest in him being back with the club, that they would have worked out a one-year deal to avoid arbitration. The fact that he was non-tendered 
gives me the indication that uh, either the the mutual interest wasn't there or maybe Gamble felt like he could go make more on the open market than what the Brewers were potentially offering. But that would be quite – and I'm not trying to take a shot at Gamble here. Uh, that would be a weird stance to take this year where – salaries are being pushed down again i think this is the year we're having a contract in hand on december 3rd is a whole lot more valuable than trying to fight for a few extra bucks in january or february where there's a pretty good chance you're not even going to find those extra bucks uh josh Hader, he was tendered a contract he remains in arbitration if they don't work out a deal he will go to arbitration uh you will i think there's a good chance they end up in arbitration with Hader. Uh, we talked about Enable got traded. Omar Nervaez signed the one-year contract to avoid arbitration worth $2.5 million after his non-pro-rated 2020 salary was uh, just under two and three-quarter million dollars. So he took a hit of about $250,000. Jace Peterson was uh, was non-tendered. You would think that there is a possibility that he'll be back. Manny Pena signed a one-year contract worth $1.65 million, according to reports. His non-prorated salary in 2020 was $1.85, so he took about a $200,000 pay cut. And then Daniel Vogelbach, he uh, signed a one-year contract at $1.4 million. He does get a bit of a, a bump because he made $580,000 uh, this past year, but that was his final year of uh, club control before arbitration, so you always get a little bit of a bump uh, in that first First year. That's a non-guaranteed deal, and probably his future with the Brewers is tied to whether or not there is going to be a designated hitter. We'll talk about that more later on in the program. Brandon Woodruff, he was tendered a contract. He remains in arbitration. I would think they'll work out a deal with Woodruff, uh, but I don't know. He could go to arbitration. Uh, he, I just, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know anything. I just have that sense that Woodruff, there's less of a chance of Woodruff going to arbitration than Josh Hader. And there's certainly a possibility that either of them could or either of them could not end up in arbitration. So that's kind of the breakdown of where everything's at. Now, the the interesting thing with where the club is at right now is the number of catchers who are on the roster. There are six catchers on the 40-man roster uh, in Omar Nervaez, Manny Pena, Jacob Nottingham, David Freitas, Mario Feliciano. And then this is not yet official. It's still pending a physical, but free agent catcher Luke Malley signed a one-year big league contract as well. So he is there. I would be shocked. I would be shocked if they began the season with six catchers on the 40-man roster. That's really going to handcuff you in some other areas. So there's probably going to be some 40-man roster cleaning up that goes on at some point in time. You would think uh, one of these guys is not in the organization. It was an interesting decision to go sign Luke Malley. And they um, they did not protect, they did not add Peyton Henry uh, to the 40-man roster. And he's now eligible and available to be picked in the Rule 5 draft of everybody in Major League Baseball who could get picked in the Rule 5 draft. He right now is certainly considered as a somebody who very easily could end up there and a team would just have to place him on their 40-man roster and, and, and get him, uh, put him on the big league roster and in all likelihood you would think that would happen. He's got big league tools and if you're a roster, if you're a team that can have a third catcher who can kind of learn on the job, it might make sense for Peyton Henry to be there. So for them to not 
protect Henry and then go sign Malley, and you've just got all these catchers on the roster. And I, I don't know, I don't know what the future holds for any of them. You look at the righty lefty stuff. Uh, Omar Nervaez is the one left-handed bat in all of them. Uh, when when they signed Luke Malley, my my first thought was, does this mean that they're not going to bring Manny Pena back and another right-hander? Uh, there's no guarantee that Pena is going to be. Uh, with the team now, there are guys who still have minor league options. Actually, Narvaez still has an option. Uh, Mally still has a minor league option, so you you have that available, even though they set, they're on the major league contracts. Uh, but there is just there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of catchers on the 40 man roster right now, and that is absolutely something that they're going to have to work through. I don't like, and this is something that baseball has a problem with. I don't like the fact that rules are not put together for the upcoming season when free agency opens. I think it puts a really, really, it puts general managers in a really tough spot because they can't build the roster to the rules. And that may have impacted what happened here with the Brewers or what is going to happen here over the next few months. I'll explain that in just a moment. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Catch more Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly with Matt Pauley on WTMJ. A fan favorite. He became a fan favorite pretty quickly. Daniel Vogelbach. Came up with some big hits down the stretch. Fit really well with the Brewers. Of course, the American League and the National League had the designated hitter this past season. When the season got over, I think most of us felt that there was a pretty good chance that that change was going to become permanent. Now, th- there's there's rumblings out there that National League rules are going to be coming back. I'm kind of torn here because I love National League rules. I love National League rules. I love the pitcher hitting. Uh, I, I love the double switches. I think the game is better. I think there's more um, more strategy to it. I just I, I love National League rules, right? That being said, I also feel like the DH is going to be in both, both leagues. Um after the next collective bargaining agreement. So do I really just want to see one more year of, of pitchers hitting? So go DH in both leagues, DH in one league, DH in both leagues over a three-year span. If, 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 if we're going in that direction, just go. Just go. I don't like it. I, I want National League rules. But if we're a year out from it being a permanent change in Major League Baseball – just do it now. There's no reason to have one final year of National League rules. Now, if there's a legit chance that they're not going to make that change with the next collective bargaining agreement, then yeah, let's let's keep National League rules and let's go forward with that. But whatever the decision is made about this upcoming season, this is something that really bugs me about baseball. And quite honestly, I don't think this is talked about enough. You know, when they made the final decision uh, before... Uh, before the year, before the regular, before the year was supposed to get started, about pitchers being forced to pitch to three batters or finish an inning. Like the the final decision on that rule was made fairly close to when the season was going to get started, and even the year before that, they were still discussing implementing that rule after spring training was already underway. These are rules that matter, and 
you you construct your roster to the rules. Like if a left-handed specialist who really can only get lefties out and is just completely ineffective against right-handed batters, their value dropped exponentially when Major League Baseball went to the rule about facing three batters because you don't have you don't have those situations where you got the big, you know, lefty power hitter who's the cleanup guy coming up in the eighth inning with two on, and you got to bring in your lefty to get the final out, right? Like th- those situations, I guess that situation can exist because you get the final out, but to get the second out, then he has to stay for the for the third out, right? So um, that situation doesn't exist as much anymore. That takes us to Daniel Vogelbach. Part of me hopes that. The Brewers feel like he can play enough first base that he's going to be a fit on this roster no matter what. I don't get the sense that they really believe in him defensively as a first baseman. They believe in him more as a DH. In very limited time last year at first base, he looked fine to me. But the Brewers probably know what they're talking about here, and maybe there's a chance for some overexposure. But I just hate the fact. I hate the fact that the rules for this upcoming season are not set. You construct your roster to the rules of the game and baseball for whatever reason does a horrendous job when they're talking about making rule changes about getting those rule changes in in time there should be some there should be some sort of we're talking about rules there should be a rule in place that the rules for the next season are set in stone before free agency opens that's what i would do if i had all the control of baseball I would not allow there to be any baseball rule changes after free agency at open. Like you begin the league year with the rules in place. Just my take. This is Brewers Weekly. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. W277-CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. That hot stove, it was cold not that long ago. I don't know if it's hot yet. Might be, might be warming up. Got on the warm mode. Preheating. Just, uh, yeah. Told you about the Luke Malley signing uh, earlier this week. The Brewers have also signed former Giants farmhand Zach Green. He signs a minor league contract with the club. It does include an invitation to big league spring training. He spent a little bit of time in the big leagues in 2019 with the Giants. Eight games, 16 plate appearances. Uh, His minor league seasons, he's put up uh, pretty good numbers. This past year, he was part of the Giants' 60-man player pool. However, he did not make it to the big league, so he'll have an opportunity to possibly win a job. Here is my time for a shameless plug before I get out of here. We do a Brewers podcast on the weekend. It's Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We're very creative with the naming. It uh, drops late Sunday night, early Monday morning. So if you want even more Brewers talk on an every week basis, uh, you can go to WTMJ.com, go to uh, the podcast area, and look for Brewers Extra Innings. And we do that, again, every Sunday night, Monday morning. It's also an Apple podcast wherever you happen to uh, get your podcast. Thanks so much for uh, being tuned in. A lot to get to. We didn't even get to everything this week. We'll try to get to... uh, some of the things we missed this week, next week here on Brewers Weekly. You've been listening to Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ.